by 55 and 5 interview series. I'm your host, Roxy, and in today's edition, I'm joined by Nick Ramika, CMO of Lifetiles. Now, congratulations is in order to Lifetiles as they rank on number one in our top 50 this week. For those not familiar with Lifetiles, the company is an internet and digital workplace software provider with offices all over the world. So in today's episode, Nick and I will be discussing Lifetiles' marketing initiatives during the pandemic and how they create opportunities in challenging times. We'll also try to see how Microsoft partners and their customers can thrive in a pandemic and a post-pandemic world. First of all, uh, Nick, um, thank you for joining me today. Um, congratulations on Lifetiles on making the top 50. Of course, I wasn't with 55 and 5 back in 2017, but you uh, were also featured in our top in 2017. So I'm just curious to know what has changed or evolved in these three years in terms of marketing. Yeah, sure. Well, uh, since 2017, we've uh, really grown out the, the marketing team and the marketing function. Uh, we're, you know, we've seen some, you know, very rapid growth in the company as a whole. So, you know, across the sales division, across products, uh, we uh, started our acquisition uh, journey back in 2018 we, when we purchased Hyperfish and that was followed shortly thereafter with Wisdom, uh, a Danish internet company back in early 2019, so last year. And then just as we came out of uh, 2019, we also purchased Swiss internet company and employee app company Cycle. Uh, so we uh, became, you know, a much bigger family, uh, so to speak, around the globe, particularly in Europe, over the last uh, 18 months. So we've seen uh, not just growth, but also, you know, some very significant integration with these companies uh, take place. And uh, as you can imagine, that brings with it quite a bit of complexity initially, uh, trying to to, to get everything cobbled together and make sense of it for not not just for ourselves but also our customers and our partners and uh, uh, our marketing function uh, has uh, has been very significant in that period of time because not only have we still been charged with the remit to to bring in new business but also to to integrate those products and present them to market in a in a fashion that's simple to understand and also uh, makes a lot of sense to those in the market. So uh, earlier this year, we underwent a a fairly significant rebrand, you know, right in the middle of COVID. So we started that process back in January, and uh, and, and we launched that on July 1st uh, this year. Uh, so we were in pretty heavy lockdown as, as was most people around the world. Um, and we launched that and that was a complete rethink of our, uh, of not just the way we put our products together, but more significantly how our brand architecture beneath it works. So that was a very uh, intense piece of work. It was very rewarding, but it was also very, you know, very demanding on the marketing team. Uh, we, like anyone else, pretty disruptive year to say the least. 
but it was probably in hindsight the perfect year to do a rebrand. Um, I've I've been part a part of a business in the past where during the the GFC, the global financial crisis, I also uh, did a rebrand during that time. And it's, to me, you know, when when a lot of businesses decide that they're just going to park everything for a while, I think fortune favors the brave in that if you think about the things that are in your control during such a time, it's quite often those things that you always intend to get to, you know, like rebrands or re-architectures or, or something that, that just keeps getting pushed out because you're in those tight sales cycles. And so with everything slowing across the globe and it becoming a very level playing field, we decided to take advantage of that six months where Everyone was just battening down the hatches. And, um, while everything's quiet. Sorry, Roxy, I think I dropped out a bit there. No, um, I, think, I think I lost you just for a second. Um, you were talking about, um, I think, the rebrand and taking that, those six months out. Yes. And so it, during that time, we decided, okay, let's do the things that we always mean to get to, but quite often... <laughs> urgency in in the you know in the sales activation piece you know with the quarterly focus let's do those long-term projects that we've been meaning to get to while things are a bit quieter than normal and so that's what we did so we 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 re-architected our brand uh we worked with an agency to do that um our brand and creative director uh nate kiwi uh mm. led that process uh, so not, it wasn't just a marketing exercise. I need to underline that. That was a business-wide exercise in which uh, Nate took the lead and led all the stakeholders through that process. Um, you know, sales leaders, marketing leaders, uh, product leaders, all, every function across the business. So it was a significant piece of work. We launched it on July 1st, as I said. <laughs> And I think it brought a lot of clarity and, <coughs> excuse me, as things have picked up and we've seen business start to return to some kind of normal um, piece of work to get done <laughs> because the, the, the clarity that we now have as a business, not only in presenting the products to market, but also internally, it's had an amazing impact on all of us. And, you know, I think we come now out of this pretty intense period of, of lockdown into, uh, you know, really feeling very confident and feeling like we have a competitive edge. Uh, we've done some great homework in the background uh, and we, we've the things that we knew needed strengthening and, and we just didn't waste that time. Rather than sit there and do nothing, mm -hmm. it was, okay, let's make hay while, it's, while the sun's shining and let's, let's, let's use this time to reaffirm who we are and make that clearer and make it better. Awesome. And um, I was going to uh, touch upon the brand um, in a later question, but since we got to it, and Lifetest has always had a very strong brand, and right now it's almost like a it's almost cinematic. So, if you could uh, tell us a little bit about the aesthetic that Nate has created, um, as well as the evolution of of your brand. Sure. Well, I think what what makes us a bit different is we've got a a person in the team. With Nate, who understands brand very deeply, in just logos and and uh, you know uh, color palettes and 
style guides and things like that, he understands uh, and he's led us in this journey that it really has to be authentic. It has to come from the very essence of who we are as a people first, what our values are as a, as a, as a company. Quite often it gets seen as something a bit, a bit fluffy, certainly in a B2B world, I think, more so than B2C. Um, so the first thing he did was really get to the bottom of who we are. Uh, you know, not trying to be something we're not is, has always been something he's really come in and, and reaffirmed. He said, you know, this is, there's no point trying to be something you're not because it, you'll get found out and all you've got is, you know, a, a picture of something that you're, you're never truly representing internally or externally. Um, and so he's taken that step first, explored that, <coughs> like I said, alongside an agency. So he worked very closely with an agency. I think getting that that objective point of view, that 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 person who can look in from the outside, because uh, you know most of us in the company, particularly those who've been here, like myself, the CEO, uh, CXO, the co-founder founders and and some of the leadership team we've been here since day one so we're so close to it it's you know it's our baby having people who are uh, who can facilitate facilitate that conversation and have a little bit of distance between the brand and 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 make some observations that sometimes we're so close to we don't even see it ourselves that's been really critical and i think then marrying those truths with you know what what our products uh, do uh, you know I think our products are driven by who we are and what we're trying to achieve as a vision which goes beyond just what we do it's and how we do it it's it's very much why uh, the why has been really really important it's been something that I've noticed particularly in the last two years that has been the appetite of the people not just a marketing team but the entire population at Lifetiles have been asking the last two years, why, why, why do we do what we do? We need something that's beyond just making widgets or just making products and just making money. We want something now that makes us feel proud about what we do. And it has to be beyond mere commerce because we spend, as our CEO says, we just spend so much time at work in our waking hours, that if it's not if it's not linked to something more meaningful than just a job, I think it can get very tired very quickly, um, and people just lose the vision and they lose the the kind of um, I guess the energy that's required to make these these things worthwhile. And um, and 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 if you want to make something better and you you don't want to fall into that status quo. It's really, really important to have something you get up in the morning. You go, yeah, I get why we're doing this, and it's bigger than just uh, a bunch of products. Mm -hmm. And I think that's what Nate's been able to capture. Um, you know, and uh, you see in our imagery, there's a lot of spacemen and things like that. <laughs> I think that's kind of just, you know, I think that those those Im those images they change with time. Your values don't, but the way you express yourself is is very reflective, I think, of the zeitgeist you're in at any moment in time. I think if, if you know the way Nate explains a lot of that imagery is we uh, 
when you think about why we do what we do, it's about exploring the the front the new frontiers. And you know, with all the, although it's a little bit abstract, it's it's all about, you know, what is the next frontier? And it's not going to the moon. It's 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 seeking, not only looking after our own planet, but looking at what what's out there. And you know, the the whole talk around going to Mars. And I think people feeling like, um, uh, you know, planet Earth is under threat. And you know that feeling of transcendence that people desire is is being sort of reflected in our in our brand now. And I think it comes back to you know what is the you know after this massive disruption this year, not not only uh, with COVID, but but also politically and socially, uh, and and I would also say uh, absolutely environmentally. There's this sense of we need to lift our gaze. We need to be better. We need to do better. Uh, and I guess the space theme and those type of themes—they're just poetic metaphors, really. It's not. Well, I mean, I don't think we're going to get into the space business. Um, <laughs> but, uh, but 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 the, I guess poetically, what it what it is is you know, what, what 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 where should we be aiming? You know, what what are we? What are we doing here? Are we just doing intranets at the end of the day, or you know this AI stuff and and all this intelligent workplace stuff? And and you know I think the our um, our uh, uh, distinct point of view with our brand is love your work, mm-hmm. and it, it's it's quite multifaceted because you know it's they say you know if 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 people really love their work. And I don't literally mean fall in love with their work, but but they love what they do. Um, then technology shouldn't get in the way of that. You know, technology should en- enable that person, whether they're a teacher, scientist, uh, yeah, um, in construction or architect or whatever they do, um, could be cleaning floors. They should feel that the the technology that we bring to the table should make should emphasize their work, not not the technology itself. And that's very much the philosophy driving our product team uh, and, you know, the way we express it through marketing. Um, and that's become, you know, the mantra internally at Lifetiles. And I think the energy that comes out of the brand is, is, is more than just graphic design. It's more than just, uh, you know, clever witticisms and things like that. It, it's coming from the people, a true energy. That, that comes out of the people and, and is just merely represented by our, by our, as you say, cinematic mm-hmm. uh, brand uh, identity. Awesome, awesome. And um, you've spoken about taking this challenge um, in, especially during COVID. So in your opinion, how important it is for companies to audit their marketing efforts right now? I think it's critical. I think uh, it, it depends on where you are in your journey. I think that there are different uh, types of auditing I would do. I mean, if, if you're at the start of your journey, I think you have to be very nimble with your marketing. You have to be really clever because you don't tend to have the budget, say, of your competitor who who might be owning the space uh, in terms of market share and share of voice. So it's a time to be okay. Uh, find the gaps. Find the gaps in in the bigger guys, and and then exploit those. Um, make sure you can do them properly. Uh, 
Um, but I, I think the worst thing you could do is to stop marketing because um, it's it's a, I'm a little bit biased on that, of course. But but I, I guess the way I describe marketing is it's not just promotion; it's it's taking something you have to market, and it's bigger than a marketing department. So even if you don't have a marketing team, you have to be marketing; otherwise, you don't exist. Um, and you know if 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 it's one salesperson, then that salesperson is your marketer. That salesperson is representing you and your products to market. And so I think you know the, the tendency to shut off things is is a reflex action that's not well thought through. I and don't, you know I'm a realist as well. Like I don't think um, I think the importance of auditing is to work out uh, what's working and what's not. Um, I think you have to be across the entire your entire ecosystem of of marketing effort. I think it can be the wrong thing to do to isolate marketing uh, campaigns right down to the smallest uh, activity. You should be chunking those up into initiatives and then measuring the initiative. I think if you say, "Oh well, we're not going to make this video because the video on itself doesn't bring in business." Uh, and we're not going to do this white paper, but if if you're only looking at those things as components, you can't truly uh, test those things because they are usually interdependent uh, with with other things in a, in an ecosystem of activities that would form an initiative, uh, and then you would measure the goals of the business against those those initiatives. So I think it's really important to um, to know where you sit with those things, um, so absolutely, I think there's, it's a perfect time to get your uh, econometrics right um, and really have a look at, you know, what what, what are the things that are uh, costing the most in your customer acquisition cost? Yeah, pull those things back. See, is is this really? Uh, is it is it delivering uh, things into your funnel, and are they getting stuck at certain points in the funnel? Are there other initiatives that should be activated to pull those things further down the funnel? I think it's really critical that we come back to basics with marketing. I think there's a lot of there's a lot of uh, what's the what's the word I'm looking for? There's there's a lot of um, marketing tools and, and things out there that are, you know, the nice, great technology, great whiz-bang things, but we still have to come back to all those principles that undergird marketing. That is, you know, going back to your four Ps or your five Ps or however many Ps you have, um, going back to things like uh, um, uh, your sales funnel. I think, you know, don't, don't just isolate sales funnel to pipeline that salespeople are looking after, you know, find out where all of the, that, that, that funnel activity is coming from. Um, do the audit on a funnel. You know, I do not believe for a second some marketing gurus say the funnel doesn't exist. It does exist. It, if it doesn't exist, we none of us have jobs. Um, it does okay. exist. And look, I understand that, that different activities can change and buying uh, appetites in the buying cycle can change, but that funnel is, regardless, it's it's still there. 
it's still there. And, and, and I think, you know, people need to be able to diagnose that and audit that and work back from there. Because that, that's where you'll, you'll get a really healthy diagnosis. You'll know where you stand. Uh, and you know what, 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 what's not so important right now um, versus what you can do right now. Um, and so you could be spending a lot, you know, you could be spending tons more money on salespeople uh, um, and, and, and just to only find out that you could be qualifying a lot more leads for, for less salespeople or vice versa. You know, you, you, maybe you don't have enough leads and um, you need to get more leads or there's so many different ways to look at it. But I, th mm -hmm. I always come back to the, the sales funnel that that's where I, th I think you get the best health check. On the brand level, um, on you know, in terms of brand awareness and brand building, I would come back to a rule of thumb, like share of voice or share of search, um, and do auditing around that. Sure. And will the same um, apply to Microsoft partners? So just shifting uh, our focus a little bit to the Microsoft um, ecosystem. It's interesting because um, it depends on what I, I think what your ambitions are as a company and as a Microsoft partner. Um, one thing I know Microsoft won't do is they will not build your brand for you. Um, Microsoft partners have to fight that out. And uh, whilst Microsoft is this amazing, incredible ecosystem of opportunity, um, I've never seen Microsoft commit to building one of those partners' brands end-to-end -end for the entire journey. There are amazing brand opportunities that come up, right? Like, you know, whether you get pulled out in front of uh, Microsoft Inspire in front of all your peers and it gets broadcast or they, you know, you're, you're, you might be uh, doing something that, that just totally um, connects with the Microsoft scorecard at the time or, or something that's really, you know, on on their radar right now, but in terms of building a brand, uh, Microsoft will tell you themselves, they will not do that for you. You have to still bring that. You know, they'll find opportunities for you, but you still need to sustain yourself as a business. And I think all the the normal and uh, you can't uh, the principles of business still apply to Microsoft partners. You can't just attach yourself to a giant like that and expect them to do a lot of the work. Um, and, and that's proven, right? The, you know, there's a number of us who've done really well, but we've put in a lot of hard yards. We've put in a lot of our own investment. We haven't just sat there waiting for Microsoft to do things. And Microsoft respect partners, I think, who do that. Um, and you get more out of Microsoft that way anyway. Absolutely. And just to, to touch upon the Microsoft Top 50 that we run, um, we celebrate inbound marketing across the partner network. So. Do you think inbound marketing should still be a priority for, for partners? Absolutely. Yes, definitely. To me, outbound is important because it, it's, it's a proactive way to stimulate um, interest in your products and, and things like that and, you know, and pushing the market along a little. But inbound is, uh, in, in terms of bringing down your customer acquisition cost, is the dream that people would not only just find you but remember you and come to you and and uh, you know without really and that's where that brand awareness comes from that brand building 
the importance of brand building is people to get into their mind space. You, you've only probably got three words uh, that you that people can afford in their brains these days. And if you can get one of those three words or two or you know, best practice, uh, best case scenario three, they'll remember you. Uh, and so I think um, discoverability. Uh, in terms of inbound marketing is is critical. It, it, and again, I, I, I've sometimes heard gurus say content marketing's over. It's it's so far from the truth. So far from the truth. Well, that's good to hear because otherwise uh, the future would look grim. <laughs> so, <laughs> yeah, that's right. Um, and, and thinking about the future, actually, um, what changes that have you've seen or you've seen brought by the circumstances that we've had this year, do you think that will be ultimately sticking um, to partners or just to, to companies in general as we look into 2021? I think the thing that I've noticed during this time, and, and I, it's hard to call early because I think it's still really hard to, to judge where we're all going. Uh, during this time and, and what, what it all means in, in the next two, three, five years. Um, I think one thing I've not, I, I think everyone can agree on is digital transformation isn't a, isn't a thing you can hope to get to one day. It was forced upon everyone this year. Um, every company had to do it. Otherwise, if they didn't, they're probably not here anymore. They're on their way out. Um, so, uh, digital transformation within the market was was scaled uh, so quickly. Uh, it was shocking to watch, and it was. Uh, but but I think um, the the trend I saw, and, and it's probably not a new trend, but it was certainly pronounced this year. Is, and this is comes back to the inbound marketing. People, uh, there, there are a lot of companies out there that still need expertise and not just from a few different analysts. They're looking to partner with experts. And yes, even if you're a vendor that needs to sell them something, they're happy to do it, but you have to be in that space, not just sitting there with a box ready to flog them something in a transaction. But you've, you, I think, uh, in our B2B space, we have to realize that there is a lot of people out there that still need to understand what to do. They have, they're feeling a lot of pain um, and it's not enough. Uh, I would say if we're going to do content marketing, it's not enough just to do it to get SEO points. I would do that, but I would also think about maybe going more for quality and thoughtfulness. I think those things will win because people really want clarity in confusing times more than ever. So if you're going to do a white paper, don't do it in your sleep. Do it as if someone's life depends on it. Take all, take the best of your expertise. Even start to think about not gating it anymore. Start to think about just getting it out there. Just getting people that information without having to swap all this, you know, swap all their personal data. Just get it out there. Um, I've challenged my team and said, you know, I, I know all the gated content that you want to do. I'm I'm starting to be of the opinion that people just need the information. If you give it to them, 
and there is an opportunity there, they, they will speak to you. But be generous. Stop putting forms in front of absolutely everything. Um, and, I, you know, those who are generous with that first will win that race, I believe. But that content has to be genuine. It has to be real. There is just too many white papers out there and, and bits and pieces that don't help the person. It's almost as if they're just written for Google to um, to tick some boxes for them in terms of their SEO. But even then, the Google algorithms will know what's good and what's not. And they'll know that by what's happening in the in the market and by the way people are engaging with things. So what the trend I've seen is people don't have time. They're being uh, for just anything and, and the status quo. There's so many webinars happening. Everyone went digital in their mm. marketing this year. There's so many white papers being produced. There's so many uh, demos and, and on all this kind of thing. So many virtual events. That, that's not going to go away, but it's a cluttered space. And again, it's the people who do it really well and do it really thoughtfully and think uh, about the market first and, and, and bring that level of value that will win every time. Exactly. And you, you've touched upon white papers and long form content and webinars, but what do you see, if you could look into the future, what, what do you think the next lead generating medium is? Videos or webinars? I really do think, so going back to that expertise mm -hmm. motion, I think, and you know, this is not nothing really new, um, but you know, proof of concepts, but beyond just proof of concept, going back to like a design thinking uh, kind of offering, you know, going beyond just the demo request and, and spending time with clients or potential clients earlier uh, in the motion. There's a couple of things. I think uh, the customer case study is, it's an oldie, but there is a room for reinvention of that um, into a use case. I think you think about you know, a lot of the white papers, they can get a little bit generic and that kind of thing. If you take something, even if it's not an approved logo, like the customer doesn't want people to know who it is, but if you had like a, uh, uh, you know, some companies do this really, really well. It's not just, you know, this sort of, you know, standard template of, oh yeah, this is what, this is the pain we had, this was the solution, this is the result. This is the ROI, you know. Um, yeah, cool. All right, no worries. Um, but what if it was something more in depth that it went into? You know, this is the here's some of the sketches from the design thinking session we did, and this is the problems we thought we needed to solve, and then we found out there was this other problem, and in fact, we had to re rethink what the problem really was, because we hadn't actually positioned the right problem. So even though we thought this was the problem to, the, to our pain, we had actually defined the problem incorrectly. So through this, we got to this point. Then from this point, we got to this and realized there was a whole new set of, of ROI metrics we hadn't even thought of, actually hadn't even dreamed of. And you tell that story and through diagrams, through sketches, through it's like a, a almost document a documentary on paper. Um, 
you know, compelling storytelling. <coughs> I think a lot of case studies are predictable storytelling. Oh, yeah, you know, it's like watching the same Hollywood formula every time. Oh, yeah, the problem. There you go. The solution. Oh, there you go. And there's the ROI. And these are the numbers. Okay, surprise, surprise. There's nothing unpredictable about them. And yet anyone who's worked on a project, you know that those things go off on all kinds of scale uh, directions. So like using like a lean canvas type, even showing you know, over here we use the lean canvas model and we, we tested this before we went full bore and and that didn't quite work out. And so I'm, I'm seeing like instead of just putting a lot of energy into a lot of generic content, what if you went to market with, uh, depending on who your market is, with several just amazing analytical pieces, which are use cases on based on real-world customers or their, their, their customer-approved case studies, but they're on a completely different level. Um, I, I would think, I'm just talking to some of our customers, that's the stuff they're craving for. They're looking for... Does anyone else have this problem? What the hell did they do? You know, I can't find anything that's beyond just a very simplistic, uh, you know, uh, sort of propaganda type piece of work. It, it, you know, I want to, I want to learn from their mistakes. I want to learn from their insights. I think there, there is an amazing for B two B, amazing opportunity to do that really well. It means less quantity. But more quality, um, and I reckon if if a if a little B two B company spun out three of those a year, the the return on investment you would get on pieces like that. The only thing is they they would take time. They would take time to make. They would take money, but they would be a gift that would just keep on giving. Great. Um, I'm so pleased to hear you're still a fan of content, um, as we are here at 55 and five. Um. Okay, that was my last question. Um, and it was such a good note to end on. That concludes our edition this week. Thank you so much to Nick for joining us all the way from Melbourne. Um, and I will see you in our next edition. Until then, don't forget to check out the new Top 50, which updates every week at top50.live. I'm Roxy and take care. Bye.